So, Austin, have you ever bought, like, a Powerball lottery ticket and... You know you're not going to win. You know you are. Wait a minute. No, no you know you're not going to win. You know win. you're not going to win. You, I you're have like, hope. There's, okay, have hope. you have hope, but that hope is unfounded. Uh, I'm going to play the but fifth. You start thinking about, man, what would I do with this money? You know, I, I rarely do I buy one, but when it gets to like 400 million, it's like, well, I have to at least mm. give it a shot. Two bucks, right? I'm not hey, old enough to do you're that. You're not old enough. You'll figure it out <laughs> at some point. But you start thinking, man, if I had. A, all this money, what would I do with it? I'd do this for this person. I'd buy that for this thing. And, you know, when you start dreaming, you can't help it. Uh, I feel a little bit of that in this podcast of like, man, what if we could do this? Or what if we could do that? And let's set this up and let's have this person on. So I've got to bring it back. But I say that yeah. to say we are so uh, overwhelmed by the support for the first two. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, never thought... I, I'm sitting there thinking, man, eh, maybe we can get like 20, 30 listeners. That's what I was and thinking. I started looking at our, our analytics and uh, yeah, big word. I like that. And I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of people listening to this, a lot more than I thought. So thank you guys. It's been amazing. Great first week. We hope to continue uh, that trend. And yes. That you, thank you guys. That's awesome. That you like us uh, <laughs> over the next few weeks because we, uh, we will make you mad at some point. Yeah, we're going to be stepping on toes. Just a, just a heads up. We're going to be discussing some pretty um, controversial subjects. So, yeah, yeah, this is your warning. Yeah. So, but bear with us. It'll be fun. It'll be uh, fun. Yeah. Also, I want to clear up before we get started. Uh, also, by the way, welcome to the Rooted in Logos podcast, uh, episode three. Uh, my name is Brad. I am joined with Carter and Austin. So, in Austin's library. And on that note, I need to clarify a couple of things. Great. First of Great. all, uh, this childcraft book that I am sitting next to. Uh, I this wanna, is not witchcraft. It is okay. not. It's not just a book. It's a whole series. It's a whole series. Whole series. There's series. like 10. Yeah, there's like 10 books there. Uh, well, in, in fact, he doesn't even have all of them because I see they're numbered and they're also out of order. So we need to they talk about that. But um, I, I don't think it's witchcraft. So I apologize. You know, I've never actually looked at it. Emily, I am so sorry. Uh, yeah, she got a lot of heat out of that, imp- just so y'all know. Implying that you are raising your children uh, to perform witchcraft. Uh, so, But I have decided that every week I want to pick out a random book that I see and Great. just ask Austin <laughs> about it. Uh, this one, um, last week you alluded that the side that I'm sitting next to is Emily's side. And so I look up... It's uh, not totally true, but yeah. Anyway. I look up and I see calculations for the electrical exam. Yeah, that's Emily's, 100%. Um, is Emily an electrician, secretly? Uh, uh, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> Emily's just, like, super smart. She has that mathematical mind. So it it really would not surprise me if she was just able to, you know, Isaac Bumgardle it and just boom. Yeah. That's right. a shout-out. Shout-out, Isaac. Yeah. And Emily. And Emily, yeah. So. I still haven't found this book you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All There's right. a lot of books. There's I'm a sorry. lot of books. So, oh, I see it. it it's, it's yellow. yellow. It's a carpentry yeah. book. Yeah. So. Side note, I'm sorry if I'm coughing and nasally. Yeah, allergies are hitting me. Yeah. So. Ohio Valley. It's, Ohio Valley. It's, <clears throat> Thank if, you. If, if you're here, you know the struggle. Uh, we Just real quick, too, I want to point out, we got like a download in Italy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, that was pretty cool. California. Got oh. a bunch in Georgia. So shout out to people that are not in Kentucky or Indiana that are listening. Hey, all right. Thank you, you Georgia. You guys are the real MVPs. Um, okay, so episode three, we are going to talk today, uh, we're going to start kind of with like the doctrine of man, uh, why were we created, what is our purpose, and then we're going to kind of put it into practical terms, and also episode four uh, on Thursday, we'll kind of, we'll ask, the, ask yeah. the question, so what? So what do we do with this information? What do we do with this knowledge? Um, yeah, one, once we've gotten the purpose, what is our purpose, how do we apply it? to work how do we apply it to our home life how do we apply it to the church so yeah we'll be just we'll be discussing that thursday so uh i'm gonna kind of get us rolling on this and i want to start with the westminster catechism um it was a series of questions and answers for the church um i don't really have a whole lot of history on it because i just wanted this one particular quote from it uh, the question was asked, what is the chief end of man? And the answer, according to the Westminster Catechism, is the chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. 
And so that is where we want to start. We want to start with the foundation that our goal in life, our purpose in life, ultimately is to glorify God, enjoy Him forever. Literally everything else branches off of that and stems from that and is supposed to support that idea. Well, and the question of, you know, for those who are wondering the answer, what is the the purpose of life? Well, guess what? We're going to answer it for you. So let's start with uh, the question, why did God create us? The first thing I want to say on that is, first of all, there was no need for God to create man. He did this for his glory. And that's it. Uh, Isaiah 43 verse 7 says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is in a larger context, of course, about uh, God and, and ultimately Christ being Israel's only savior. But that tail end of the verse, he just says, I created you for my glory. I formed you and I made you. That is ultimately the goal is to glorify him. And it should cause us great joy. Okay. Uh, there's a song by Casting Crowns years ago, and I think I can quote it without having to pay them any money. So I'm going to quote this I line. Think so, yeah. I think so. How refreshing to know you don't need me. How amazing to find that you want me. Mm. And just this idea of he doesn't need me to do anything, but he wants me to. He doesn't need me to glorify himself. He, God glorifies himself. God's glory is his glory, right? Yeah, it's, exactly, it's, yeah. it's an unfathomable, unfathomable thing. Well, and it's the that concept of you grew up learning or listening to give God the glory, give God the glory. And in a way, yeah, but we also need to realize he has all of the glory. There is no more glory that we can give him. We're giving him recognition for his glory. So for those of you who think that you can actually give God glory, that he's already had, he has all of it. There's nothing you can give him more. So we should be joyful. We should be excited and happy and almost, almost relaxed in knowing that he doesn't need us. He wants us. So that, that takes a lot of the pressure off. Now, before we get any further, I do want to say it doesn't mean we get to sin, do whatever we want that, you know, as Paul says, should we keep sinning so grace can abound? Exactly. That's not how this works, but there is freedom in knowing that God desires our worship and we can please him just through our worship and through living a life that is uh, acceptable. Yeah. And at that point, it pushes us to not even want to sin. Like we are wanting to con consistently get closer to him and it just like blocks us from that lifestyle really. So I wrote, I, I wrote this question down. What is our purpose? And again, I, I think I answered this, but I want to just pound this point home. Our purpose, simply put, is to glorify God. So Psalm 1611 David writes, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Mm. And so I know for me in my life, when I am close to God, when I am in his presence, when I am living a life that is attempting to please him, attempting to obey him, that's when I'm my happiest, my most joyful. Of course, there's a distinction between happy and joyful. We're not always going to be happy. We're not always going to be excited about what's happening in our lives, but we can have joy. We can have peace knowing that A, we're in God's will, B, we're in his presence, and C, I, I love it looking at the difference between joy and happiness. You know, in Psalms, it says joy, our joy comes from the Lord. Our joy literally comes from God. Joyfulness is a fruit of the spirit that comes from God. Happiness Happiness is just a byproduct of blessings that God has given you or just circumstances. Happiness is cool. Yeah, it's nice to be happy, but happiness is fleeting. Whereas joy coming from the Lord as a fruit of the spirit, joyfulness, that, that enriches your soul. And there's a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And also I want to, I want to point this out uh, from Isaiah that should find, bring us comfort, bring us happiness, bring us peace, bring us joy is that, not only does God want us, does he desire our worship, he desires our affection and our love. He also rejoices over us. Yeah. He rejoices over us as the pinnacle of his creation, as the uh, the, the top dog, so to speak, of, of the created order that, that he 
put into place. And so Isaiah 62 verse 5 says, For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Hmm. God rejoices over us and just wants us to be in his presence. Yeah. And, and and that's if we're doing the right thing too. <laughs> of course. Yeah. 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 This is all predicated on the fact that you are living a life pleasing to him, right? Not a, not a perfect life because that's not going to happen this side of heaven. Right. But a life that is striving to be more like him on a daily basis, uh, which we all struggle with. We all, you know, we all fall. We all fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I want to kind of get a little more specific and talk about uh, being created in God's image. This could be an episode in and of itself, and it might be at some point, but I just want to give like a really quick little, because when we're talking about our purpose, we're talking about Christians, we're talking about man, we need to understand who we are, what our place is. We kind of talked about just now why we were created, but we need to kind of dig into this a little bit on a very, uh, you know, very small level. We are created in the image of God. What does it mean? I found three views. One is called substantive. So we have qualities like spiritual spirituality and reason, and that show the image of God. So because we can think, because we can reason, because we can come up with these concepts and, and discuss these type of topics, we, we are showing the image of God like that. The second view is relational, that our relationships, our relationships with our wives, our wives with our husbands, with our kids, with our family members, with other believers, and with non-believers that those relationships show the image of God. They reflect the image of God. And also functional. Uh, so our actions, what we do, can reflect the image of God. Maybe having dominion over creation, being the highest created being, and having dominion over the earth and over creation is a reflection of God's image. And so I think a proper view of this is to have a mixture of all three, that all three of these are, are accurate. There are some theologians and some scholars and, and some pastors and, and churches that focus on one of these three, but I think a healthy view is to have a mixture of all of them. Yes. That our substance, so our mind, our reasoning abilities, our relationships that we have with each other and with, with those around us, and then what we actually do, our actual actions, <clears throat> all show the image of God. So this does not mean, again, God is this 31-year-old, 30, oh, 32-year-old, mm, I don't like that. 32-year-old, you know, that is a receding hairline and, and a bit of a gut. That's, that's not what this means. It's not a physical feature. It is it is more uh, abstract. More of the, the spiritual side. Yeah. Yeah. So then we move to the fall of man. We move to uh, when Eve ate the banana, as we discussed last week, in the garden, and then Adam followed. Yeah, I know. I had to. It's Sorry. not a banana. It was totally a banana. Um, but when... <laughs> well, real quick. So, Carter, what, what do you think it was? Because we actually had someone ask. We did. We did. I don't know. It was probably like a cantaloupe or something. Whoa, a cantaloupe. Okay. <laughs> False. I, I'm actually going to go serious Maybe like here. honeydew. Okay. He's, go uh, Austin's going to go serious. <clears throat> ruin this whole thing. I'm going to no, ruin totally this kidding. whole thing. It was a pomegranate. No, okay. Seriously, though. <laughs> Seriously, though, on on the, the real note, I... I don't think we have any fruit con that has anything to do with that. I think the tree of knowledge was its own. I mean, because like you look at fruit trees now, stone fruit. You know, you have peaches, you've got plums, fruit with that that solid seed in the center, and then you have apples and all, all kinds of different fruit. I think that that fruit was specific to its own kind. There was nothing like it. And once the Garden of Eden was shut off. There's there's nothing like it out there. I forgot that it had to grow on a tree when I said a cantaloupe. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of forgot bananas grew on trees too. So right. it's all right. It's okay. But no, I, Austin, I think that's exactly right. Also, maybe for a later episode, we just name a bunch of fruits. We'll go through and name our favorite fruits. <laughs> just an hour of that. <laughs> I quit. I'm done. <laughs> that's it. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Sorry, guys. We're done with the podcast now. <laughs> so. Back to the image of God and being created <laughs> in his image. The, the fall of man, when, when sin entered the world, God's image was distorted, but it wasn't lost. And, and I think that's really important to understand because we talk a lot about, and I know I do, how when, that not, there's not a single part of human, humanity that's not touched by sin, that isn't marred by the stain of sin. 
that doesn't mean we can't be image bearers. That doesn't mean we're not image bearers. I mean, I think we're, I think even non-believers are image bearers because they have these traits, uh, these, traits, these abilities yeah. to reason, these abilities to have relationships, the ability to, to have to create over creation, yeah. to create, exactly. But we distorted God's image when we let sin into the world. And even though, uh, I think James 3, 9, I think is what I, where I wanted to go with this, um, the idea that when we are still, or when we are sinful, even when we're in sin, we are still his image bearers. I know, I know, I know where it is. I'm just trying to do this. It's under pressure. <sighs> Titus and Philemon, Hebrews in the book of James, first and second Peter. <laughs> hey, right. it's real. He's actually flipping through the Bible, guys. It's real. Yeah. Uh, James 3, verse 9 says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And with it, uh, I should have probably read verse eight, but with it, he's talking about the tongue, uh, taming the tongue, being able to, uh, you know, use our tongue to build others up instead of tearing people down. But in this, for this particular, for this purpose, he talks about how we use our tongue to curse people, but we're cursing people who are made in the image of God. And so even in sin, even in disobedience, we are still God's image bearers. Oh, that's, that's such a powerful image to realize that anybody you come in contact throughout your day, the way you treat them, you are treating that person who is made in the image of God. And so you should adjust the way you treat them accordingly. Even if you do not like them at all, you need to keep that in mind. Yeah. I remember like as a kid, I always heard the saying like, help the person by himself or something. Cause what if that's like God in disguise or something, but like, or like, and if he was to, reveal himself you'd be like oh no i just treated god bad but like you oh, are bummer, dude. everyone's yeah. made by god so treat everyone like that yeah exactly yeah exactly <clears throat> it, it's a very practical application to this uh, of to the image of god is is no matter what personality you have no matter what you've done in your past while we can't eliminate consequences for these actions we are still made in god's image and we should still be treated as such and we should still treat others as such so <clears throat> We've distorted God's image through sin, but Christ's work on the cross, and I'm going to say this word, and I don't want you to hear it as a negative word in this context, but Christ's work on the cross is a progressive recovery of God's image. Progress, progressive meaning it, it, it is a process. Right. All right. It's not, it doesn't just happen immediately. It doesn't just, we miraculously become perfect when we accept Christ and when we accept his work on the cross. But we progress through sanctification, which is what that process is called, sanctification. We become progressively more and more like Christ and more and more like God to the point where when we enter heaven, we are perfect. At the pinnacle, yeah. We are it. We are what we were created to be in that moment. First John 3, and I'm not going to read the entirety of it, but First John 3, and uh, go look it up, s- tells us that when we see him, we will be like him. That is the essence of First John three. It's and it's an unbelievable thing. It's something that we look forward to. Uh, we I, I alluded to it. I think last week we have been saved. We are being saved, and we will be saved. We will be saved. The three and, tenses. And the three tenses, mm-hmm. and it's it's an amazing thing. So that's what Christ's work did. He's he his work is restoring us to God's image. Um, and so when Christ returns, when we enter His kingdom, when He sets up His reign on earth, the new heaven and the new earth. His Im- the image restoration will be complete. Jesus shows us what humanity was supposed to be. He was the image of the invisible God. He shows us what Adam was supposed to be. A perfect being in perfect relation with him, without blemish, without sin, perfection. So that is what we can look forward to as image bearers of God. It's exciting. It is very exciting. Um, I have more here and I I don't really want to get into all this. I do want to say one more thing and then we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit, kind of reinforce this with scripture and, and kind of discuss, uh, some practical applications, but I'm going to say something that's going to get us canceled. (laughs) Are you you guys ready? Wait, I haven't heard this yet. It's only episode three. It's only episode three. We're about to get canceled. Here we go. Uh, God created two genders, male and female. How dare you? Equal in personhood and importance, but different in role and function. Yes. Which, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to leave it at that. 
because that again is another topic we can get into and maybe we'll get into. We are going to get into roles, just so you guys know. Biblical biblical womanhood and manhood. And we're going to touch on it through scripture here later, but yeah, we're going to leave that for an entire topic on its own. So heads up, prepare, it's coming. And that may be why Apple won't put us on their Mm -hmm. feed. That's a whole, again, another topic for another day. Get behind us, Satan. (laughs) I can't get Apple to approve it. Anyway, but that's kind of what I have right now. I have more things. I have trichotomy, dichotomy, all that stuff. Not really applicable for what we're going to talk about today or what we are talking about today. Carter, what you got? Well, like you said, we're going to reinforce it with some scripture. So I have, obviously we can't talk about our purpose without talking about the Great Commission. So right out of Matthew 28, verses 18 and 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So like just right there, he's telling us to make disciples and just get more people to Christ with how we act, like how you were saying, act in the image of him, and we can make more disciples to go to heaven. I think I may have mentioned this last week, but we talked in in Bible study um, after church last week about finding our purpose and finding our calling. And I think the Great Commission, when it comes to like action, Great Commission, that's it. Like that's that's where it starts. It's not necessarily a, I have to find the perfect vocation that I'm called to. I have to find this perfect. It's wherever you are. You need to be living out the Great Commission. Exactly. For me, you know, once I became that spiritual leader of my family, my wife, my children, my disciple-making movement became my children. That was my main discipleship. You know, my, my children, again, my wife, my wife being first, she is who I disciple to. She is who I am pouring in to so that she is also growing, but also my children. That is my disciple-making movement. They are my priority. And then everyone else is secondary, but it's they're still important. Not saying you guys are important, sorry. But for those who don't have the family, moving into, you know, going overseas, <clears throat> reaching people from different countries, reaching people next door, God will put those people in your life to disciple to, evangelize to, to make disciples. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, there is an evangelistic component to this, but there's also a teaching and almost mentoring portion to this as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've heard this idea of you need to, as, as a Christian, you need to have a Paul in your life and a Timothy in your life. So someone who is pouring into you that is more spiritually, more spiritually mature, more rooted in their faith, grounded in their faith, more experience, usually someone older. And then also someone who is younger in their faith than you are, maybe younger in age even than you are. And I think you have that when you talk about your family. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a cool distinction for Christians that that we need to be not just evangelizing. Yes, that is important. That is of the utmost importance, but also to bring others along that are already believers yeah. and, and, and build them up, which is I think kind of what we're trying to do here is yep. kind of push you into studying deeper yourself because again we're not going to get everything right. here exactly but all right carter what else you got for us revelation fourteen seven, and he said with a loud voice fear god and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and the springs of water fear god give him the glory very important again yeah that leads back to our main goal our main focus we are here for the glory of god Everything else is a byproduct and secondary to that. Yeah, give God the glory. So, what does it mean to fear God? Good question. So, and that leads into a bunch of other things. So, like, what is the what is the beginning of wisdom? You know, how do you get wisdom? Fearing God. Fearing God. Yeah. And when you're trying to like describe it to an unbeliever and they're like, why would you fear your God? It's like, well, that is a good question. When you are talking about a ruler, you know, you are fearful of that ruler because they're in charge of you. You're afraid of what they could do to you. That is a different kind of fear. 
say you're back in uh, Roman time, Roman emperors, Caesar, you're afraid of what Caesar will do to you if you do not do, you know, what Roman law says or just because he likes it. That is a different kind of fear, kind of, because, you know, we are supposed to be fearful of God in a way of, wow, he is almighty. He could at just a thought, boom, you're gone. But he doesn't because he loves you. I think that's a great point you made, Austin, that it we need to differentiate between like a worldly fear of like a trembling and, and terrified of what might happen to us and a reverent, awe-induced fear, a reverence, a respect, a this is my father, this is the creator of the universe, this is who I am supposed to please. Yeah. Similar to when you disappoint your own father. Mm-hmm. Right? That kind of cliche, but really true statement, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. When your parents say that to you, that is the worst. Dude, you're, you're, you just, just swallowed your heart. You're like, oh. Please just yell at me. Yeah. Please just take something Please away. spank me at this point. Take my allowance. Take my Xbox. Do something. Don't be disappointed. Yep. <laughs> so I, I think that is where the fear is different from, the fear of God is different from the fear of man. It's, God, please don't be disappointed in me. I want to please you. That is my ultimate goal is to be pleasing in your eyes. Yeah. Um, so another point that I had was a lot of people in this world, uh, even Christians live for the wrong purposes or some people live for no purpose at all. Um, they just like live with like a mindset of live in the moment. Um, just make whatever choice you want. Don't think about it. Do what you want for fun. And YOLO, right? Yeah. You only live once. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's a thing anymore. Yeah. It was a fad. It's yeah, over. Yeah, it's gone. Fad's over. <laughs> but yeah, another thing. So some people live like that or people live to try to have the most pleasurable life here on earth. They're like, well, I don't want God to come back till I have a family or till I'm married, till I have a house, till I'm settled here and I'm done with earth. That's not how we should live. We should be ready for him to come back at any time. And that really just devalues the his sacrifice because like we are so unconcerned with what concerns him, like our futures and what purposes we have. So yeah, like a lot of people in this world live for the wrong purposes and that is really bad for our walks and stuff. Yeah, well, it, I'm... I was there, you know, at growing, growing up before I was married. I'm like, okay, God, let me get married first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me, let me have m- my kids first. And, and realizing that more of the mindset of, wow, I really don't want my children to grow up in this world and what's coming soon. Lord God, please take us now. <laughs> We're ready. Please come now. And, and, and Paul even says this um, in, in one of his letters. He says, to, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So, while I'm here, while I am on this earth, I'm going to live in a way that is pleasing to Christ. I'm going to fulfill my purpose of, of evangelizing, of making disciples, of, of bringing God glory. But man, I look forward to being with him. And yeah. man, I, I look forward to the end of this world. We look forward to the day where he will wipe away every tear. We look forward to the day where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more cancer, no more COVID-19 or COVID-47 or whatever's coming next. We look forward to the day where all sickness, all disease, all hate, all strife, all racism, all sexism, all bigotry, the real ones, not the fake ones. The real ones. Yeah. Are gone. And they are eliminated. And we live in perfect harmony with each other and with God. And we're co-heirs. Singing praises to our Lord and Savior all day long. For eternity. For eternity. And and I, I think, again, we'll get into this at some point, but I do think they're they're... We'll be working while we're there and, and we'll have tasks and we'll have things to do and we're going to do them with joy and glee and happiness and it's going to be just this amazing time. Oh, just imagine the feast. Oh my goodness. The Can you imagine the royal feast in the throne room that Jesus, Jesus is going to put on for us? Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine the food that will be there. Like besides the fact that we won't. I, I don't think we'll need to eat in heaven because we'll be perfect. We won't need sustenance, but yet he's still going to have all this food for us anyway. And the wine, like if the wine here on heaven that he made out of water was that amazing, can you imagine what it'll be like in heaven? Yeah. Yeah. So I like food. I'm sorry. Oh, I do too. Uh, I think that's obvious, but <laughs> <laughs> so 
we have to live in balance too, though. Yes. We have to live in balance of, I have a purpose here on earth. I am put here for a reason. It is not that complicated of a reason. The reason is to make disciples and bring God glory. That is the reason we are here. Everything stems from that. So we need to live in that moment as well. But like Carter was saying, we don't need to live only in the moment and only in the here and now. We need to live excited about what's coming. Yes. We also don't want to live only in that. Right. We don't want to live only in this idea of, well, I'm going to heaven one day. And that is our only focus because that also has its own dangers and its own pitfalls, pitfall, snares, pitfalls and yeah. snares. Absolutely. It, it can also make us ineffective on this earth, living out our purpose if we are so heaven minded. So I think Paul said it best when he said, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. While I'm here, I'm going to, I'm going to be in the moment, but I'm also looking forward to what's to come. Yeah. And it's definitely. just a win-win situation at that point. Cause you're like, you're on earth, you're having fun, you're get, making disciples, but you can die and go to heaven. So like, it's either. What either more do you way. want? Yeah. yeah, and it, it it and we can we can dive into this a little bit now. It it helps us to not fear death. Yes, I, I was listening to I, I listened to a lot of podcasts. Um, some more beneficial than others. Some just for entertainment. But one I do listen to, and I don't necessarily agree with their theology a lot. But is is one of the Duck Dynasty podcasts, um, Unashamed with with Phil and hmm. Jace. It is fantastic. Um, I love the simplicity of, of how they explain the gospel. They are so gospel-driven and so discipleship and evangelistic-driven that some of their theology that I don't necessarily agree with doesn't matter because yeah. they are all about bringing people to Christ, yep. and, and I love it. And one of the things they've talked about recently, because I think both Phil and Cy had birthdays uh, within the last month or two, and, and one of them is 75, one is 73, and so they're getting a little older. Wow. And they talk about death pretty frequently on this podcast and phil specifically is much like i'm ready i'm not wishing to die but i'm ready and i don't want you to mourn for me because i am in heaven i am with my Mm -hmm. creator and you are going to see me again if you're in christ and having that mindset is so important yeah and and it's hard to have that mindset though right well and really like for for me growing up, it wasn't the aspect of the actual death. It was the pain. I hate pain. <clears throat> and that thought of, okay, how how is the Lord going to take take me home? Is it going to be a car accident? Am I going to join the military and I'm going to be in a helicopter accident? I, I don't know. For me, it was the pain aspect. And I think for a lot of people, it, it'll it'll be the pain aspect. Because, I mean, that is our, our the <clears throat> curse of sin. For all have short, fallen short of the glory of God... And the wages of sin is death. We, we're all going to die. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of how that will happen. And it's the pain aspect. You know, we yeah. don't want to be suffer pain. And for me as a kid, it was the opposite because, like, I wasn't a believer growing up. I wasn't, like, an atheist, but I wasn't, like, a Christian, really. I just didn't have it. So for me growing up, I did fear death. And I remember for, like, two years it was really bad, and I was always thinking about it because I didn't know what was going to come after life. I was like, am I just going to still have my body or am I still just going to like feel myself sitting in a grave forever or mm. is it just going to be gone and I'm not going like to do complete anything? complete nothingness. Yeah, just yeah. like staring blankly into space forever. But as I grew Gosh, up, like even at the beginning of Christianity, I still was kind of fearful of it and I was just like, I'm never going to see these people again. I'm, But now more experienced and more mature in my walk, I don't fear it at all because it's just... It's not the end for us. It's a bridgeway to like our new beginning. And I can always look af- look forward to the best because the best is always yet to come. Amen. So, Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and looking, sorry, we're on squirrel tangents, but it, I love it. Let's I keep love going. it. As, as a Christian, when you start your walk all the way up to your death, literally when you die, that should be the pinnacle of your Christian walk. When you're, when you die, that should be the height of your relationship with Christ because as soon as you die you're with Christ and therefore you're perfect to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord yeah yeah and your new body's perfect sorry I'm just you know dreaming here <laughs> moving on <clears throat> moving on yeah absolutely it, it uh, there we do mourn when when we lose somebody mm-hmm. it, it is a it is a sad time mm-hmm. and Christ you know you look at at uh, the Gospels Jesus wept when John the Baptist died. He grieved with uh, Mary and Martha when Lazarus died. Lazarus, yeah. 
he had these emotions and we and it's okay we ha- we are going to have these emotions those of us who are left behind from that from that loss oh weep with those who weep mourn with those who mourn absolutely but we also should keep it in perspective and we should understand that yes we are we are grieving the loss we are sad that they are no longer here with us where we can talk to them and and spend time with them and enjoy their company but also we grieve with the hope that they are with Christ yeah. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. Exactly. And I think we need to, as Christians and believers, remember that when a fellow believer dies, when someone we are unsure of their salvation, because again, we can't judge that as a definitive, yes, this person is, this person isn't. Yeah. But when we, I mean, let's be frank, we know, like we, yeah. we have a good idea. We Well, we have resources through scripture to tell. Exactly. And so... Yes, that grief is going to be different. That grief is going to feel different because we are not only grieving the loss of this person on earth that we no longer get to interact with, we are also grieving the fact that they are probably not spending eternity with the Father. Yeah. And and that is also something we need to grieve and take that opportunity to speak truth into those who are grieving. Yeah. And and, and say, "Hey, not we don't go up there, we don't talk to people and say, "Well, this guy's in hell cuz he did this, this, and this." We go say, if Johnny could come back and talk to us now, he would tell us that heaven and hell are real. Yeah. And that heaven is where you need to be. And here's how it happens. Yep. And, and that's, I, I think I heard um, a pastor friend of mine say that when talking about doing a funeral for an unbeliever mm. is <clears throat> if Johnny could come back and, and tell us about the afterlife, tell us about heaven and hell, he would say, you need Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not naming names, but at work, I love the guys I work with. I pray for him. I pray for him every day. But there's this one guy. I've been praying for him for a long time. And maybe if he ever starts listening to this, man, I've I've got I've got hope for him. And he's an unbeliever, but I've been praying for him. And the, the awesome guy. I really like him a lot. And that hope, like, dude, if if he would come to Christ, like his story. And the impact he would have as a, as a Christian, I'm like, oh my goodness. And it's like, Lord God, please, please. And yeah. And how you were saying we, uh, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. When I was in Haiti over December and January, we got to experience a Haitian funeral. Mm-hmm. And like, if you don't know the story about them, apparently there was like a war and they sold their land to the devil. So like, there's always people like voodoo men walking around to continue that promise because they know us as believers are there. And so they're angry because it's like a whole fight over there. But back to my main point, we were at a funeral and it was like, it was terrible. They they were grieving and like, like it was instant. Like we were just chilling outside the uh, church, wherever we had it. And everyone was just like socializing. And then the hearse pulls up with the body and immediately they all start screaming, running towards it. Wailers. Yeah. Like wailing. mm -hmm. Yeah. And like almost as if like they got to touch the body, it would come back to life or they would get closure or something. They would like their main focus was to try to get as close to the body and see it. And like as they were walking the coffin inside, they were like following them. Mm. And it was like just really it was so overwhelming. And like we were in the back all together and just people are like jumping around. They're falling on the ground. And it was just really sad to be a part of. Mm. And there was like the the girl that died, she was baptized last year when the team went. So like, we can hope that she's there, but we don't know. And so that's just really sad. It was really hard to be there. Really? Wow. It was just really loud. And we had to leave early and our mission leader that was there stayed because she knew the family. So she felt it was right to stay. And she said, like, as soon as we walk out the building quiet, it was like a battle between like angels and demons, a spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as soon as we got out, it was just silent. So, which that will be a topic we go over spiritual warfare. That is something we will definitely dive into. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's so suppressed here in America. I don't mean like it's not absent, but like over in it's it's not realized it's forgotten. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it takes different forms too, because of the cultural differences. God is all knowing and all powerful. Satan's no slouch either. Mm -hmm. Right. He's, he's no dummy. Um, he knows scripture better than we do and, yep. and uses it and twists it. 
And so, he's been doing this for thousands of years. Exactly. It's a chess game that he's playing on a million different <clears throat> levels. And, and we're still on our first move. Spoiler alert, he loses. But that's that a different too. topic as well. But, but that's not because we're playing him. Exactly. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> we phoned a friend. <laughs> <laughs> so I say that to say this. The spiritual warfare is going to adapt to the culture. Mm-hmm. And again, Satan is no slouch. He knows how to get at the culture. So I think in America, we see the spiritual warfare through things like critical race theory, progressive Christianity, through this idea that racism is everywhere, through this idea that there are 14,000 genders. The media. Through the media. Exactly. Through our politics, through our <clears throat> idea and, and f- this idea that our politicians are the end all be all in this yeah. country. Yeah. So I, I think the spiritual warfare takes on different shapes. <clears throat> well, it's a, a quote from Alistair Begg. Satan is at his wiliest when he has convinced you that he does not exist. And for America, that is, that is very prevalent because, you know, when you, when you look up the devil on Google or you just have an image of him, what is it? It's the, the guy with horns and the, the pitchfork and the little red guy. It's like, huh, no, no. Satan is the most beautiful angel ever created. He was the choir master of heaven. Uh, he, yeah, there, there's no battling that guy. That is, that is for God. What you were saying, like the media... That was something I definitely noticed while I was in Haiti because there's no like news there. So there's no twisting stuff like how it is in here. And like, it was just so good to get away from the news for 10, 12 days, however long I was there. And then once I got back, I like immediately noticed that that's a huge problem in today's world. The mm-hmm. news, like switching everything and like just making the narrative or the agenda. And it was just, it's really good to not have it for a while. Wow. Moving forward. Um, for those who know me, uh, I don't want to say I go overboard with scripture, but I have like 25 <laughs> verses here. <laughs> um, no such thing as overboard. Yeah, exactly. Maybe for to... time's sake. Yes. What time is it? Oh, we're fine. No, okay, no, good. Not okay, that cool. time. Recording time. Recording time. Yeah. Okay. We're fine. Anyway, so I'm going to go through a list of verses. Uh, normally, I use my Bible flipping through, but I got 25 verses, so I'm, I'm going to use my phone to get to them quicker. We're going to reinforce... You know, giving God the glory through scripture. But also we're going to look at separate purposes that stem from giving God the glory. So I'm I'm just going to start at the top. I'll work my way down. Starting from the beginning. Let's go to the beginning. Genesis ch- chapter 1 verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens over every living thing that moves on the earth. So this this is before the fall. This was the commission that God gave Adam and Eve before sin entered the world. He said, be fruitful and multiply. So multiply, children, right? We cannot forget the fruitful aspect of it. Being fruit, anybody can multiply. I mean, we, we see it all the time. And... Looking at the fruitful, fruitful part, uh, that is raising godly children, children, offspring that reflect God. That was God's commission to Adam and Eve. And along with that, they had control over the entire world. The, the plants, the trees, the land, the water, that was theirs. God gave it to us, to man, to women, to do things with, to subdue it. So that was the first commission, you know, later in Matthew, Christ gives us the great commission, but that was our first commission as man to go, go forth, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. So next we're going to go to first Peter chapter two, verse nine, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. We are to proclaim the excellence of him who called you. That's God. We are here to proclaim his excellence. Spoiler alert. Next is Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. 
We are here to serve and work for God. Now, that isn't to say you're you go into work and you look at your boss and say, by the way, I'm not here to work for you. I'm here to work for God. No, you're supposed to work for God, work for his glory. So what does that look like? As you go into work and you're looking at your boss, have that mindset of, okay, he is my head. He's in charge of me. I am going to reflect Christ and I am going to give him that authority. So therefore, I am going to work for him as if he was God. He's not, but I am going to work for him as if he was the Lord. And you are giving God the glory the whole time you're doing that. Next is Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Right there. All things were created for God. Everything from the heavens and the earth to the visible and the invisible. Everything is for him. So we need to live to give him the glory. Just as a quick side note on that one, I heard a sermon once about the cosmos and about the stars and the planets and the galaxies and how vast and un unimaginably big they are and how many millions and trillions and billions of light years away they are from us. And the the the, the pastor asked the question, why? Hmm. And the simple answer is because God. Because God, yeah. Because God doesn't, it, that's to me the best argument against intelligent life outside of the earth is that God doesn't have to explain why he created these galaxies that we will never know and never explore, never, never will understand or fathom or see. He did it because he's God. And so they pointed a telescope at this, I think it was a star that's like just light years away, just an un. Yeah an unbelievable amount of miles away from us. <laughs> and they pointed this telescope at it that had a microphone to pick up whatever frequencies it was putting out there. And it just had this whirring sound, this just kind of sound on this recording. You can find it online, what it sounded like. I wish I was more prepared for this, but this came to me on the fly. But <laughs> he made the comment. He goes, so why is that thing making that noise? And he argued that it's giving God glory. It's saying, my yes. God is really, really big. No, guys, like, you don't understand. My God is huge. He is big. He is almighty. He created all of this. God is really, really big. And that's just, that's why it's there. Yeah. Just it's to be, bring God glory. Bring God glory. It's there because he wanted it there. And yeah, to, to answer that question, there's no need to answer that question. You know, why did God create all the planets? Well, because he wanted to. There's no reason for us to know why. It's something we can grapple with, but there's yeah. no reason to know. <laughs> so next we have 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Again, for the glory of God, whatever you do, everything you do. Working for men, eating, drinking, do everything for the glory of God. Next, we're going to go to the end of the book. We're going to look at Revelations chapter 4, verse 11. And that says, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. The cosmos, the, the universe, the galaxies, that is for him. That is for his glory. Next, we have Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. We are to fear God. The, the end of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Now, in there, I believe, I'm not exactly sure, correct me if I'm wrong. When it's talking about man, it's talking about mankind, not just men in general. Of course. But it's talking about mankind. So men, women, stuff like that. The human race. The human race. I, I have a bunch more, but it, they're redundant. It's just kind of reinforcing, give God the glory. And I will put some of these references, even like maybe the ones we didn't get to into the description. So you yeah. guys can go back and look and reference what we've talked about 
Um, I'm going to do better at making those descriptions more descriptive in the coming days. So just to kind of wrap it up, put a bow on this and, and kind of move towards what we're going to talk about for Thursday. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. What he just read in Ecclesiastes, the end all fear God, keep his commandments. That is the essence of what we as believers are supposed to do. And in our next episode, we're going to talk about what that looks like and just some kind of practical applications for that. More of a conversation, maybe about our own lives, about some of the things we kind of struggle with, because we want to be honest, we want to be raw, we want to be open with you guys and just really dig into what this means for us practically. Yeah. How, so, how do we apply it? How do we apply it in the world, in the workforce, at home, in church? Carter, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, just make sure you're living for the right purpose. Amen. All right. Well, guys, thanks so much for listening to episode three. I hope this was beneficial to you. I hope this was something that you can take and dig deeper into. Use this as a jumping off point. Look at the references that we're going to put in, our, in the description. Look at the what the scripture says about who we are and why we are. Not the best grammar, but I like that question. <laughs> who are we and why are we? And why are we? Yeah. I, I'm going I'm to try to sign off. We'll see what, what people think. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> sorry. Going based on our name, you know, rooted in Logos. Stay rooted. If you're not rooted, become rooted. Rooted in Logos. Root yourself in Christ, in the word. <clears throat> Stay rooted, San Diego. Stay rooted, yep, San Diego. San Diego. Thank you for listening to our show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen. Also, please help us out by leaving a five-star review. If you want to connect with us or suggest a topic, email us at rootedinlogospod.com at gmail.com logos l-o-g-o-s pod at gmail.com or follow us on facebook and instagram at rooted in logos pod <laughs>